And hello everybody, what is going on? My name is Austin, and welcome to the first ever episode of A Careless Whisper. Sit back, relax, grab a coffee, grab a tea, get cozy, and get ready to enjoy this first episode. I'm very excited to do this. A little nervous, I'm not going to lie to you, because, um, yeah, there's something I've always wanted to do. You know, I, I do YouTube and stuff, but I don't know, podcasting is so different um, <clears throat> than making a video, because it's, yes, a podcast is pre-recorded, but it's, it's, I feel like a podcast is more personal than, like, what I do for YouTube, which is video gaming. I don't know, you know, because my focus is on the video game and, and kind of, you know, being entertaining, but, um, I don't know, a podcast is so much more intimate, um, so yeah, it's really nerve-wracking for me. Uh, I've been nervous to do it. Um, my trailer or whatever it is um, that you start on took me about f 20 tries before I got it right and I, I liked it. So yeah, I'm not going to keep redoing this podcast because um, of nervousness. So I'm just going to go. So sorry if this first episode isn't great. Um, I'm going to try my best. I'm going to push forward and I'm going to get onto it. So uh, like I said in the trailer of this podcast, um, this podcast is going to be focusing a lot on horror-themed things and wrestling, of course. Um, if you guys don't know me, my name is Austin, like I said. Uh, I also go by Careless Christopher Clarence on the Ontario independent scene, mostly uh, the GTA area uh, and Hamilton, I guess. It's not really considered GTA, but um, I'm around that area. Yeah, I know. Uh, I would like to travel outside of Ontario eventually. Um, Wrestle the States has always been a thing for me. But yeah, trained by uh, Rip Impact, an amazing guy, an amazing wrestler, <clears throat> uh, who he kind of runs, um, well, not kind of, he does run uh, the Hamilton Pro Wrestling Academy. A fun, fun place, a great environment, lots of great people. Um, if you guys want to uh, live your dream of becoming a professional wrestler, um, send Rip Impact a message on Facebook or send the Hamilton Pro Wrestling Academy, I think it's just Hamilton Pro Wrestling on Facebook, a message and you can start your dream. Of course, when all this crazy coronavirus thing are over, you can start your dream of becoming a pro wrestler. And I can guarantee you if this is something you want to do, but you've been iffy on it on your whole life, take the opportunity and do it. It's honestly been the best thing I've ever done. Um, you know, I, long story short, it was the best thing I've ever done. Yeah. Um, I always wanted to go to wrestling, like be a wrestler and be in that business and do what I love. Cause I've been watching wrestling since I was six years old. So, you know, this is something I've always wanted to do. So I took that opportunity. Rip impact was very friendly very welcoming, and uh, I was a slow learner, so, you know, he took his time with me, and uh, without him, I would never be the kind of wrestler I am today, so thank you very much, Rip Impact, and the Hamilton Pro Wrestling Academy, not a sponsor or anything, <laughs> just uh, a great environment that uh, is always good to promote. Anyways, guys. Kind of the theme for today's podcast and um, how the podcast is kind of going to be following. I'm going to do a quick explanation here, of course, for the first episode of the podcast. 
we're going to be focusing on um, horror movies, horror books that I uh, that I recommend, um, <clears throat> some wrestling promotions I recommend, just just my thoughts on some of the wrestling things. I'm going to be doing a small spot every now and then where I do a song of the day, which is uh, a song that I prefer that day and uh, I think you guys should give a listen to. Um, just a fun little thing, you know. Uh, I am a big fan of a lot of uh, lesser-known artists and bands and stuff um, worldwide, so... You know, I like to promote them and get their name out there. Uh, we also will be reviewing, you know, just kind of the wrestling scene, what's going on with it today, like, as of this recording. Um, obviously, not a lot going on because of the coronavirus, but, uh, you know, they're still managed to get some wrestling news popping up, good or bad, it still pops up sometimes. Um, yeah, and then horror things. Uh, I'm going to be doing a review of horror films, uh, one horror film each podcast. Uh, today's will be the platform um, it's out on Netflix, so you guys can go ahead and check it out. We'll go further into that in a minute, because I will be starting off with Song of the Day, and then I'm going to go right into horror, and then we're going to end off the podcast on wrestling, um, <clears throat> and I'm I'm going to timestamp it and stuff, so you guys, you know, if you guys are more into one thing and don't want to listen to the whole podcast and me ramble on, um, you guys can skip right to that part, and hear my thoughts and reviews on things. So yeah, so without further ado... Let's get started. I'm quite excited for this. Uh, today we're going to be starting off right now with the song of the day. And, uh, you know, this is a song that I recently found uh, in a band I actually recently found too. And uh, the minute I listened to them, I really fell in love with the band. Uh, really good. And uh, this song has just always stuck out as my favorite of theirs. I have lots of uh, songs of theirs that I really like. I've actually listened to all of their, almost all of their albums now. Well, I have listened to them all, just not every song on the album. Uh, as of yet, I'm still going through their newest album. And that, of course, is <clears throat> the indie rock band Pine Grove. And my favorite song of theirs right now, and this is the song of the day, Darkness. Um, very good song. Um, I listened to it at first, and I was like, okay, that's good, that's good. And then it came up on my playlist a bit later. And I was like jamming out to it, and I was like, "Damn, this is a really, really good song." I, I, uh, I definitely recommend it <clears throat> as a uh, go-to listen uh, if you guys are into like indie rock and stuff. Uh, even if you're not indie, into, into indie rock, sorry, uh, go give it a shot. I, I think you guys won't be disappointed. Honestly, I really don't think you guys will be disappointed. It's a good song. Um, the vocals are great. Um, a little bit of information about the band. The band was formed in 2010 in Montclair, New Jersey. So they're a New Jersey local band. Shout out to anyone listening from New Jersey. <clears throat> um, and the band was formed by the singer and the drummer of the band. The singer, of course, Evan Stevens. And the drummer, Zach Levine. Or Levine. I never know how to pronounce that. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, so great band they have um four albums though and they have a live studio recording um their albums though they had their 2015 debut album of everything so far great album um really you know solidifies them of what they're about which is good then they had the next year they had their 2016 album cardinal which is an amazing album and then uh, 2018, they came out with my favorite album, Skylight, um, which also hosts some of my favorite songs. Of course, Darkness is on there. 
Uh, we have Portal on there, another great song. Uh, of course, Skylight, another good song. And Rings, a uh, really, really good song as well. Uh, it was actually... I know I wanted to put Pine Grove on... Um, as a band to put on here, and I was really stuck between Darkness or Rings to uh, promote as the song of the day, but um, <clears throat> Darkness is just kind of what stood out more to me for that moment, and um, of course their last album, which I'm still uh, listening to a couple of the songs on there, um, their newest album came out in 2020, uh, Marigold, so another really good album by them, I'm really, uh, really happy with a lot of the songs they posted on that album. Um, but yeah, that was the song of the day. Um, go give Pine Grove a chance, guys. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you think of them. Um, and yeah, I want to know if you guys are just as impressed by them as I have been when I first heard them. Well, maybe, I'd say close to a week ago now is when I discovered them. And uh, I don't regret discovering them. Great band. <clears throat> Alright, guys, so we're going to get over that... Uh, Music stuff, you know, music is a, it's a big, it's a big inspiration to me. Music is a huge passion of mine, um, listening to it, uh, not playing it or anything. Um, <clears throat> I couldn't, I couldn't even play the recorder in grade school. Um, but listening to music is like a huge passion. I, um, uh, I really feel music that I listen to and, uh, you know, I'm very, I'm very particular in the kind of music I like, you know, folk punk, indie folk, um, indie rock. Uh, I like a lot of alternative kind of stuff too. <clears throat> um, I'm very picky though. Songs really have to stand out to me. Um, I do like some songs with a little bit of comedic uh, features in it uh, sometimes as well. Um, which is why I like Andrew Jackson Jihad. Another great uh, great artist. Um, you guys can check him out too. Amazing. I'll probably end up doing a song of a day of his eventually because so many of his songs are amazing. So <clears throat> he's another great guy. Uh, but yeah, I'm just really passionate with music. Um, music has a lot of meaning to me. Um, and that's why I'm so picky with it, because it has to be a song that stands out to me. You know, I'll listen to that song more than once to see if it's a song I really like. And then I'll add it to my playlist on Spotify. Uh, amazing. So yeah, that's that's all the music stuff out of the way. We're going to get right into horror things, guys. So um, yeah, let's let's get right into that. You know, horror to me is, uh, it's, man, it's, it's something I've always loved, um, deep down, always loved, uh, even when I was younger, um, it was a big thing for me, I always, I always liked it a lot, um, you know, of course, when I was young, young, I was into comedy, and then I had my experience with my first horror movie, um, I was maybe eight years old at the time, and uh, my cousin, uh, his girlfriend at that time, um, was watching a horror movie when I was over at his place with her. And uh, she was watching a horror movie and I kind of just tuned in. And um, <clears throat> this movie was uh, One Missed Call. If you guys don't know One Missed Call, it's a movie about uh, this spirit follows through your phone. You get a phone call. You hear the last sound you make before you die usually like a scream or something, phone hangs up, and they die and make that same sound. And then it just, it's like a repeating pattern. It just keeps going on and on and gets to the next victim. It's basically like a, a slasher, 
but not really. Like it kind of, it kind of is a slasher, but with a um, why can't I think of it? Like a supernatural vibe to it as well. It's really good, very mid two thousands ish movie. Um, I remember when I first watched it though, I was scarred, scarred for my entire fucking life. Every time the phone rang, I would be terrified. Eight-year-old me would be like, oh my god, they're calling me. I'm going to fucking hear when I'm dying. I Like, this is it. I'm going to die. Like this, And I remember, I forget who it was. Someone I know, family member, they set their ringtone to the ringtone from the movie. And I fucking cried my eyes out. I was so terrified. I, I had nightmares. I thought that the spirit, this the spirit girl was going to fucking come and kill me. I was going to get hit by a bus or chopped up by somebody. I, I thought I was going to die. And it was terrifying, but it was a great horror experience for me. Um, when I was watching the movie for the first time, I felt a rush I never felt before. I felt a boost of adrenaline I've never felt before. And uh, after I got over my initial fears, it took a while, but... I started getting more into horror. I started watching like some of the classics like Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street and Leatherface and uh, or Texas Chainsaw Massacre, whatever. Um, <clears throat> and then, you know, from the classics, I started going on to more more newer movies. Uh, like later on, I would go into, um, I don't know, just a bunch, just a bunch. Um, and, you know, from there on, I, you know, started reading horror books getting into horror movies, horror television shows, hell, I even listen to creepypastas all the time, because I just, I love horror things, and it's really the only thing, media I kind of watch and read, um, because it's the only genre of thing that really, really, uh, really gets me, sometimes I'll watch the odd comedy movie, like, uh, yesterday, for the first time in my whole entire life, and I'm surprised, because my favorite comedy guy is Jim Carrey, um, <clears throat> of course, uh, it's him and Rowan Atkinson. They really, Mr. Bean's great. But, um, for the first time yesterday, I watched the Truman show and I was so shocked. I never watched it. Such a good movie. Fucking hilarious. I love it. Um, but anyways, comedy's not the point here. Um, nothing really does it for me like a horror movie, you know? Um, nothing really does it for me. Honestly. I never really get satisfied by any kind of genre. Action never really does it for me unless it's like the first Fast and Furious. Um, <clears throat> but it's only so many times you can watch that movie and be impressed by it. Um, and that's really it. Like, it's just horror. Like, and there's so many things. And, you know, it is known to be one of the cheapest type of movies to make. You know, you can make a horror movie on a very low budget. And sometimes these low budget horror movies are really fun, they're really awesome. Um, and then a lot of the time you get those cheesy, really crappy horror movies, but even those are a fun time too. Cause they're so bad. They're good. Um, like sleepaway camp and, uh, um, the ice cream man and movies like that. You really get like, you know, they're so cheesy that they're good. And that's what I love about horror movies. I don't feel like any other genre of uh, movie can really get duplicated like that. Um, and that's just personally how I feel, you know, a lot of people I know don't like horror movies and uh, it sucks because I like watching horror movies with people sometimes, most of the time I'm like, like get the hell away from me so I can watch this movie by myself because most of the time I like watching it by myself, but you know, if I'm having a fun time, I'm like, oh, I want to watch a horror movie with somebody and nobody I'm really friends with likes horror movies. So 
Guys, I need some friends that like horror movies, so... DM me. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but, honestly, um, my all-time favorite horror movie is Sinister. So good. Um, <clears throat> so fucking good. Um, yeah, I, I love it a lot. The Super 8 creepy-ass films are amazing. The way the movie's produced is good. Uh, the second movie is trash. Don't come at me, but it's trash. I like the first one so much. And then the second one is just like, meh. I mean, there's good parts of the second one. I mean... When they all turn ghost-faced and fucking creepy, that's guy that got me. And there was a few spots in that movie where I was like, damn, this is really kind of kind of creepy as shit. But nothing beats the first one. The first one is so fucking scary. Like, the one part where the main character is, like, looking away and then, um... What the fuck's the... The weird-faced fucking bad guy, in the, the villain in the movie, like, fucking his head's turned. Then he turns his head and then the main character turns his head back and then his head's all normal again. It's like, holy shit. And the horror they managed to pull off in the Sinister movie, I don't think it ever be ever be duplicated. It's such a good movie. I give the highest praise to the people that made the Sinister movie. Amazing. It's so good. Um, I could watch it. I think I've watched it maybe three or four times now. And every time there's a little part here and there that still gets me. Uh, and I've rewatched other horror movies and it just never gets me the same. Like, I love the 80s slashers. Come on. I love them. They're good. They have their moments. But... I don't know. They're just not scary to me, really. As in, they're a good movie. A little cheesy, because the 80s. But they just don't frighten me as much as they just entertain me on a horror aspect. Uh, I, I like these movies, kind of movies that really fucking scare me. Because I just like the adrenaline boost of sitting there terrified. It's great. It's, it's an adrenaline rush. And, and it really gives you a perspective into the mindset of the directors of the horror movies and like a lot of these horror movies, like some actors don't know about shit that's going on. Like some of these actors in some movies are legit scared because the directors like pull off these things that weren't in the script and scares the shit out of them. It happens in some movies. And that's like, that's the only time you could do that is in a horror movie. Obviously in comedy movies, you know, you can, you can ad lib some shit and say, say whatever, but the best kind of, you know, realness is in those moments with horror movies where the directors just come off and, you know, scare the actual actors by stuff that wasn't in the script. Because then you get the genuine, true fear out of those actors. And that, and that, it's great. It's great. Uh, but yeah, Sinister. Amazing. Um, it was great. Um, everything about it was good. Um... And yeah, that's all I really got to say about my favorite horror movie. Um, it's just well acted, well played. Um, don't think it could be duplicated. <clears throat> Simple as that. Anyways, guys. We're going to be uh, talking about uh, a book now, horror book. We're going to get back onto movies in a second with the platform. But first, I just want to quickly talk about this horror book I've been reading. I've gotten about just a little behind halfway. And it's been a very good read so far. And uh, this book is Room 33 um, by E.C. Sheedy or Edna Sheedy. Um, you know, Canadian author. She was born in Vancouver, British Columbia in, I think, 1934. So 
she's 91 years old. That's what I saw when I looked. I think it was like 34 or something she was born. Um, this book was published in 2004, and it's uh, kind of... It's kind of a genre that's used a little bit in horror. Uh, I'd say it's re it's a repeating one, like uh, the old school haunted hotel room. You know, like there's this hotel room and like a bunch of deaths happen and stuff. Um, you know, kind of like that. So, um, you know, room thirty three. It's about a hotel room that had a bunch of accidents, like. The night after they opened, uh, they found a dead body. There was a dead body of the resident that was staying in room 33. Um, and just a bunch of shit like that. Like, girl jumps from a window in room 33. It's really good. Um, <clears throat> it follows the story of um, a couple different characters. Uh, Lana, um, who is kind of like this vindictive mother. Um, and the wife of... Stephen Emerson, who uh, is the son of the um, founder of the hotel, the the uh, the hotel, uh, Joseph Miller Emerson, um, and it kind of follows the story of her, Lana, uh, who's trying to get her hotel, this hotel, but that she thinks she deserves, uh, because when uh, spoiler alert, when uh, Stephen died, he gave. The hotel to his daughter-in-law, um, Joy. So it's kind of focused on Lana and then Joy, who's trying to rebuild the hotel, but Lana's just trying to sell it. And it also focuses on Wade Emerson, the grandson of Joseph Miller Emerson and the son of Stephen Emerson. <clears throat> uh, he kind of, he doesn't own the hotel, um, but he's kind of like, I don't know, trying to keep it afloat from shutting down. It's a slow burn book. Um, you know, it just doesn't go crazy all of a sudden. Uh, you know, I've yet to reach any um, really, really, like, frightening or, like, tense parts yet. There's been a few here and there, but um, I think I'm about to get there. But it's been a really good read. I mean, it's well-written. Amazing uh, literature. So good. Um, the characters aren't are really like you can really invest yourself into the characters especially um lana i got more most attached to lana and her like not attached but like like believability wise i get her character more she's a vindictive you know money hungry kind of lady who just wants to get this hotel in her name so she could sell it off and make a quick buck even in the the first uh, the first chapter, you know, she's wearing this thousand dollar cashmere sweater, and she's like, "Oh, I need to get a new one soon," and you know, kind of snobby. Uh, so good though, really good. I uh, I don't know if there's any uh, any versions of it online. There might be, but if not, I highly recommend you try to find this book uh, and give it a read because uh, I know you guys won't be disappointed. Honestly, I I don't think you guys will be disappointed at all, because it's a really good read, I've been enjoying it, Ooh, a lot of talking, sorry about that guys, I take another drink, my throat feels so dry, <clears throat> but yeah, that's, that's all for the book though, um, give it a read, that's all I'm going to say, and now here we go to the horror movie review, uh, watched this about a week ago, um, and then rewatched it yesterday when I uh, really had the idea to do the podcast. 
Uh, I really think this movie should be the first, the first review I do. <clears throat> I think this movie is amazing. Really good. Um, one of my favorite newer movies, honestly. Um, this movie is called The Platform. It is a um, Spanish horror film that was released. Well, it was made in 2019, but it wasn't released till February 2020. And then it recently got added to Netflix as well. I think in like probably in February too, uh, or maybe March, very early March. <clears throat> um, I'm gonna butcher some names, so get ready, guys, because I'm gonna try to say the actors and um, <laughs> the characters' names in the movie and uh, the director's name, which I'm about to say. And I'm gonna butcher this. It's gonna be terrible, but <clears throat> whatever. So this movie was directed by, here we go, <laughs> Galder Gostillo Urita, um, okay, so it was directed by him, and uh, he, the cinematography is great um, in this, so well shot, very well directed, this movie's tense, and it makes you feel like, like, I don't know. It just makes you feel like there's no way out. Like, kind of, like, lost. Kind of, like, I don't know. Like, desperate. It's it's a really good movie. And it really invests you into the main character, um, Goreng, who is played by Ivan Masagu. Also characters in the movie. We have uh, Maharu, who's uh, a lady who is going in this platform i'm going to explain the movie in a minute who's going through this platform uh looking for her daughter uh you have imogiri antonia san juan plays her um she is one of the people that used to work for this place um <clears throat> and now she's inside herself um we have zorian Ag aguilier <laughs> he plays uh Trimagasi, that one's easier. He's uh, the first guy that um, Gorang meets. <clears throat> and then we have Emilio Buell Coca. He plays Baharat. Uh, Baharat is, honestly, I think he's one of my favorite characters in this movie. Um, besides Trimagasi. I love Trimagasi. He's amazing. Um, so let me explain this movie. <clears throat> I'm just going to take one more drink. Just a warning, guys. Spoiler alerts, if you have not seen this movie, pause this podcast or skip forward, watch this movie, and come back to get my thoughts, because I do not want to spoil this movie for you guys if you haven't seen it yet. This movie's really good, and I recommend you see it before you listen to me, alright? I'm going to recommend that for a lot of movies, even bad movies that I review. Hopefully I don't have to review a lot of bad movies, because, man. But I got a list of movies, and... Some of them, they don't look that promising. Maybe. Anyway, so this movie starts um, with Gorang. He wakes up on level 33 uh, of this platform. <clears throat> and he meets Trimagasi. So this platform is basically one... Oh yeah, that's not how the movie... But anyways, I'll, I'll go to how it actually started. I just want to talk about this part. Let's kind of explain the movie. So there's platform one, and there's like platform like 400 or 300 or something like that. Or no, I think it even goes to like 666. I think that's what it goes to. Anyways, 
there's these platforms. They go all the way down. One's where you want to be. 666, not where you want to fucking be. Uh, basically, two people on each platform. And they have to survive. I think they're there for like a week or something. And then they'll get pa the, the gas will spray into their platform. They'll pass out and wake up either higher or lower. Just It doesn't, it doesn't even depend on how they act. It's just it, random. But basically, it's like a experiment or something like that. Um, <clears throat> and it's just like to see how you survive on there. And um, yeah, that's just kind of how it is. And there's this um, big table that comes down from each platform full of food. Like literally full of food. And that's how they eat. That's how they survive. Um, you know. And that's why I said it's going to be a platform one. Because platform one gets the first helping of the food. They can take as much as they want. They can eat the whole fucking table if they want. They can't leave, They can't take any with them though. Because the minute they like try to pocket this food, the platform, and only their platform. So say if like I was on platform one and I like tried to pocket even the littlest thing like a crouton. Like I put a crouton in my pocket. The, the platform gets filled with um, heat so hot that it will melt your skin and kill you. Or air so cold that it'll freeze you to death. So you cannot take any food. That's that's like the one rule they have. I don't have many other rules. Uh, and basically, like, yeah. People on the first platform, on the level. They get the picking of food. They get, uh, you know. They get their first helping of food. Like, they can take as much as they want. They can eat the whole damn thing. And the lower it goes, the less food. So by the time you even get down, I think it's even past, like, level, like, 60... There's, like, hardly anything left. Even at 33, like, it's disgusting. And people are, like, walking all over this huge table. And, like, their feet's touching. It's really gross. Like, it really shows desperation for all these people. And that's why you feel so desperate and helpless. Because that's what it shows. And, like, each level. Like, so, Trimagasi and Gorang, they're on level 33. And, um, <clears throat> you know, the food comes down. Gorang refuses to eat it. Trimagasi's like, this is all you're gonna eat, man. So you take this, and and Goreng's just disgusted, right? He's appalled by all this disgusting, like, food, munched up shit. It's gross. This is not a movie for the faint of heart because it's it's a gross movie. Like, it's really grimy and dirty. So if you're like if if you're a very like cleanly person, and it bugs you when things are dirty, do not watch this movie. Um, <clears throat> so. Basically, Trimagasi, you know, he's like, oh, you got to eat it. He, he starts off being nice to Gorang, kind of standoffish, but nice. And um, this is where we find out why people are in these platforms. So this platform's actually like a jail. People that commit crimes and stuff are in here. Um, Trimagasi explains how uh, he threw his TV out his apartment window uh, because he was mad about an ad because um, he bought this knife. And it was like, this knife that will cut anything. It's the sharpest knife in the world. And he bought this knife. Huge. Took out a huge loan and like bought this knife. And then the next day he saw an ad for this. By the same people. The sharpener that sharpens every knife to the sharpest knife in the world. He's so pissed he throws his TV out the window of his apartment. And it hits and kills the lady below him. So he's stuck in there for like a year or something. <clears throat> this is where we find out how Gorang got in there. Gorang put himself in there for six months. He has to go through there for six 
whole months in order to get a scholarship. So he wants to get the scholarship, so he has to go through here for six months. So, you know, Termagasi seems kind of appalled. He's like, you, like, you offered to be in here. And it's just kind of, like, weird. It gets really tense. But, you know, they're surviving. Gorang tries to talk to people on 34. And, uh, you know, it's also a thing about, like, a thing about class as well, like high class, mid class, low class. Low class don't get any food, mid class gets a little bit, some, maybe sometimes not. High class gets all the first pickings. And, you know, these people look up and they kind of look supportive at first, and then Trimagasi just fucking whips his dick out and pisses on them. He's like, these people are lower than us, they do not get these kind of privileges, like, they're dirt, they're terrible, and I'm like, god damn, like, this is terrible. Um... But yeah, Tremagasi shows no remorse for them. He hates them, he spits on them, pisses on them. That's kind of how it is, and that's how it remains for a lot of the movie. Um, you know, so it goes on like that for a while. Eventually, Gorang gets to eat. I think at one point he takes an apple, and he tries to pocket it, and it starts getting really hot in the room. And Tremagasi's like, dude, throw the fucking apple down. Do not keep that apple, we will die. So Gorang throws the apple down, because he was going to save it for later. And then, like, the next day, Gorang eventually eats, and, uh, whatever. It just kind of goes about that for a bit. We also get introduced to Maharu. Um, she goes on this platform every single, uh, every single day to try and find her daughter. But it's weird because they say, you find out later on in the movie, that there's nobody under 16 in here. But, Maharu... Seems to think otherwise. And we'll talk more about Maharu. Let's keep going with uh, Gorang and Trimagasi. So, this movie goes on for a little bit on level 33. You know, we kind of learn everything about Trimagasi, you know, and Gorang. And then we also find out that you're allowed to bring one item into the platform with you. And this turned out to be a funny segment as well in the movie. Uh, Gorang brings a book. Um, this book actually relates quite a bit to what he's going through in the platform throughout the movie. It's pretty good. And uh, Trimagasi, of course, he brings his knife that he bought. Of course. Why wouldn't he? Um, <clears throat> so, like I said, the movie goes on a bit. They go to sleep one night, and they wake up on a different platform. They're on, like, 161 or something like that. <sighs> Gorang wakes up tied up to the bed. Yep. And, um, you know, he wakes up all scared because he's fucking tied up to a bed. I'd be scared too if I woke up, you know, I fell asleep fine. Then I woke up and all of a sudden I tied to a bed. Trimagasi, kind of standing over him, watching him, tells him he's like a heavy sleeper, some shit. And um, then it starts explaining the story about how, um, sorry, I'm kind of forgetting some parts. Gorang. Because on level 33, Gorang and Termagasi talk. Termagasi talks about, about how he was on, like, level 200. And Gorang gets suspicious because he's like, how did you survive? Did you eat your cellmate? Termagasi says, no. He just kind of changes the topic. Now on level 161, he talks about how, no, he did not eat his cellmate. Someone tried to commit suicide because a lot of people commit suicide when they find out they're on low levels. <clears throat> you know, especially if people are on high level. So let's say I'm on level 6 and then I wake up one day and I'm on level 135. I know I'm not getting food. 
I know I'm fucked. So a lot of people commit suicide. A lot of people jump off and die. So basically, he tells Gorang, he says, someone jumped off and died, and they managed to land on our landing. So we ate him. That's how I stayed. And then he tells him that his cellmate actually, his time went up. He was free. So, Termagasi says, this time, though, I know I need to survive. But because I like you, Gorang, I'll be nice, and I'll just cut pieces out of you to survive. Um, and then we get this whole funny mon montage with Trimagasi just being fucking weird, and he reads Gorang's book. It's really just funny. Uh, eventually, though, uh, Trimagasi, you know, does start eating Gorang because he wanted to save him. You know, he's gonna wait as long as he can till he needs food. Eventually, he needs food. I don't know if it's. A, I think it's a month they spend there. Sorry, um, in each in each one they spend a month there. It's not a week. Yeah, it's a month. Sorry, guys. Um, so Trimagasi does eventually, like a week later, start going to Gorang, and he cuts him with the knife. And it's like a nasty, like a nasty scene. Like it really cuts a big ass chunk out of him. Um, but just as that happens, Maharu comes down on the platform and murders the fuck out of Trimagasi. Stabs him in the neck, and um, Maharu basically tells Gorang, like, eat him. Gorang at first doesn't want to. He eventually caves in, and he cuts a piece off of Trimagasi, and eats it. This from on, uh, this on from the movie, um, we start seeing Trimagasi in premonitions of Gorang. Uh, basically as like a ghost, or like a phantom. Uh, and... That's also why I love Trimagasi so much, because, uh, you know, he's kind of like Goring's conscious now, conscience now. So we still get to see Trimagasi in the movie, so it's great. Um, but yeah, eventually Gorang still kind of eating off Trimagasi, but not really anymore. He stops eating off Trimagasi because he knows cannibalism's wrong. And uh, he starts eating the maggots that start growing on Trimagasi. It's a fucking disgusting. But, uh... Yeah, and that's kind of just what happens, and uh, also Gorang and Maharu fuck. So that's 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 two. Uh, <laughs> Gorang eventually falls asleep, and he wakes up on level, I believe it's 13, 14, with Emaguri. Now, Emaguri we see later, earlier in the movie, sorry. Um, and Gorang and Emaguri are talking about uh, Gorang going in, you know, because he's volunteering. Emaguri works for these this weird organization that runs this. But now she's in. Gorang notices her and mentions, like, like, what are you doing here? And she basically tells him that she has terminal cancer and she's dying. So she wants to try to fix this system before she passes away. This is her kind of last act. Um, also, she brings in her dog as the one thing she can bring in. How fucking st stupid is that? But... Not, not really to her, though, because she didn't know how it was in here. The people above, the people that worked for this company or whatever, they didn't know what this was actually like. She wanted to experience it. She wanted to see what it was actually like. And I think she came to regret it. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So it goes on for a bit. And uh, through this, kind of the story between Imaguri and Gorang, is Gorang's kind of given up. He's... he's He's kind of breaking after the whole Trimagasi cannibal incident. 
And Emigri is set to try to make this place peaceful. Try to make it peaceful. So she has a thing where the food starts coming down, you know. They're at a level where they still have lots of food. I actually think they're at like six. Yeah, they're at they're at a single number. Six. So they still have lots of fucking food. Emigri's like, we're going to try to get everyone to share below us and above us. Going basically like, listen. This is not going to happen. He basically is like, even if this does happen, the people above us aren't going to fucking listen. And good luck trying to get the people below us, too. He said, those would be the only people we could get, but good luck. It's not going to happen either. And Emigri tries and tries and tries. Goring's just like, whatever. He just sits there and eats while Emigri starts making portions for everybody. Because that's what she's doing. She's making a portion for the, the next level, for seven. And then seven's supposed to make a portion for eight. And then continue, continue, continue. Goring doesn't want to do it for a while. Emigri eventually convinces him. So he has enough. Goring, you know, basically tells uh, Seven, because they're not listening. They're like, fuck you. And Goring's like, listen, if you do not make a portion for the next level, I will shit in your food every single day. I will shit all over this whole entire table, and you will eat my shit every single day. Back at number seven to listen, they start making portions. And my favorite, one of my favorite lines is Emigre is like, why can't we convince the top now? And and Goring just says, because I can't shit upwards. And that fucking made me howl. It was great. Um, it's so fucking good. Oh my God. I love that. It, it was amazing. Uh, <laughs> such a good line. Um, so good. And uh, yeah, it continues on for a while. Um, kind of a peace thing. And then Maharu gets reintroduced. Uh, she comes down to the level. Uh, bad condition, too. You know, there's 1.2 also on level 7 where she almost gets raped, but she kills the two fucking guys. This is uh, way earlier. I think this was Trimagasi. I forgot to mention this. She's a fucking warrior, man. She's a fucking warrior. She literally almost got raped by two fucking guys, and she just comes up with this knife. Boom, boom, fucking kills both of them. She's a fucking trooper. Anyways, Maharo comes down. She's in bad. She's in a bad way. She's not looking too good. Gorang takes her off. Her and, her, him and Emigri help her out, let her stay on their level for a bit. Um, and during all this, something really bad happens. Really bad. And it shows doing a good deed doesn't always work. Because overnight, Maharu kills and eats Emigri's dog. And there's like guts all over the floor. And then it cuts to Goring angrily sending Maharu down um and that's kind of the end of any kind of relationship thing between Gorong and maharu um yeah and then it skips to they both go to bed and they wake up on like level 260 or something like around that uh Gorang wakes up and finds out that emiguri has hung herself quite sad um but that's what happens right um so, Goring goes to bed, wakes up, dude's on level 3 now, level 3, um, you know, a lot, not a lot happened in 260, just sh showed him being really desperate and stuff, uh, and Trimagasi getting in his head, and now Imaguri is also in his head now, but anyways, Goring eventually wakes up on like level 3, and he has a new roommate, Baharat, I love Baharat. Really, really quirky at first. I didn't like him at first, but then as the movie goes on, I continue to like him more and more. He believes he can escape this because he's so close. He's almost out. 
because level zero is where they set the plate up, the plates and stuff up, and they go down. He's like, he tells Gorang, I'm going to climb out of here. I got a rope. That's the one thing I got. I'm going to climb out of here. So he yells up to the level two. And this is another part that I kind of found uh, funny. But at the same time, like, not great. At the same time for Baharat, especially. You know, talks to the, the people on level two. They're like, okay, yeah, use the rope. We'll help you up. Climbs up the rope. All of a sudden, just an ass in his face, and they shit on his face. They literally, the girl pulls down her pants and takes a fucking steamer right on Baharat's face. He loses grip of the rope, starts to fall, lands on the lands on the thing, about to fall through the big hole to his death. But Gorang saves him at the last minute. They talk. This like this is not the way. They eventually come up with a plan to save the food. You know. Give everyone a portion. So, the, the big idea comes out. Goring and Baharat. Next time, when the platform comes, they're going to get on the platform. Make sure everyone has a piece of something. Certain portion. And they're going to keep the food. Because they think that they the message they have to send is not someone getting out safe. It's to leave some food left. Because they think this experiment is, these people are all savages. They're just taking all the food and not caring. Leaving a mess. So, you know, they try to portion out the food to Everybody, all the levels, because Gorang thinks there's a, there's 300 levels, which he's wrong. There's another 366 more levels. Um, so they start going. They go down quite a bit. I think they go to like level 71. And Baharat sees this guy that he's familiar with. I think he's called like the Wise One or something. And he basically tells Baharat and Gorang that they're doing this all wrong. Doing it all wrong. They're just they're just doing it all wrong. That maybe the message is to save a pristine item or something along that line. And they look at this cake that's there. And it's a very beautiful looking cake. And Bahara and Goran get it in their minds that they have to save this cake. This cake has to come back up untouched. And that's what it continues. That's what it continues for the rest of the way. They go down. Like, they go down, down, down. You know, we get to see some funny moments, kind of. We see uh, two naked old guys in a in a... And like a kiddie pool, which is so funny that one of them wanted to bring a kiddie pool. One guy has a bunch of money, like literally a million dollars in money. And they, when he gives them food, he like throws on the money. One of my favorite parts is uh, they go on this one level. And there's this old sick guy that they're feeding soup to. And then there's this other guy um, who obviously has a disability. I think he might have Down syndrome in the thing. And you think he's just a super nice guy and stuff. And then they're just like talking and they're like, yeah, are you going to take care of them? And, and this guy goes, no. When you guys leave, I'm going to cut open that sick guy's belly and eat the food that you gave him. And I'm like, Jesus, Jesus, fuck. Whoa, <laughs> not what I expected at all. But it's how it is. I, I mean, that's how it is there, right? So anyways, it goes crazy. Uh, and eventually they get to level 300. And they keep going. Throws off Goring. A lot. They keep going down. 400. 500. Now they're at like 5 something. And this is when Maharu gets introduced once again. However, Maharu is getting choked out by this guy. Also at some point, Baharat gets like a fucking sword or something. Or like a, No, it's a piece of, the, uh, piece of the bed. He has a big steel bar. One of the guys on this level brought a fucking sword with him. <laughs> fucking insane. Um, 
But anyways, they're like fighting Maharu. Maharu gets sliced up and she dies, unfortunately. Uh, and then a big fight ensues between the two guys on this level and Baharat and Gorang. Um, the sword manages to get turned around, but it slices Baharat. And uh, Gorang gets the shit beat. I'm not even joking, you guys. He gets the absolute shit beaten out of him. Um, Tremagasi, or not Tremagasi, fucking Bahara, uh, manages to outfight the guy with the sword, kills him, gets his sword, and then cuts off the head of the guy that's beating the shit out of Goring. They move on, but they're not in good condition. They keep going down, they keep going down, they keep going down, all the way to level 666. Now, there's only one bed here, I noticed. And then they notice under the bed is a little girl. This is the girl that they assume to be Maharu's child. So yeah, they, sorry guys, I had to take a quick break. Um, so they assumed it to be the girl, and she's hungry. Like she, she's under the bed, she's looking at the cake, and Baharat doesn't want to give it. Baharat's like, "No, we have to, we have to have this." Gor, um, Gorang says, "Give the girl the, the, give it to her." He starts eating it and stuff. She starts eating it. Sorry, and both Gorang and Baharat pass out. Gorang has this, like, vision of Baharat saying something to him, and then Termagasi's there, and Imaguri's there, too. Gorang wakes up. The girl's kind of just chilling there. And unfortunately, and this part really hurt my... <laughs> really hurt me. Um, Baharat was dead. Really, really sucked. Really. I was really upset by this. I was like, no, like, not. Like, Baharat was probably one of my favorite characters, so I was very upset by this. Um, and he takes the girl, and Trimma, no, not, uh, and then Bahara, and it's, I'm getting all tangled up here, sorry. Bahara, in the dream that Goring has, says, the girl's the message, not the cake, and then he wakes up, Bahara's dead, he takes the girl with him, and he expects to be going up, right? But they don't go up. They go further down. Not any, to any more levels, but to this big dark area. That's all it is. Only the, only the shimmer of the lights in the in the in the level, shine down. It's this big dark area. And uh, he has the girl with him. And he's, you know, they're waiting for the platform to go up. And uh, Gorang, is like sitting there. And then. Trimagasi uh, appears, like he has throughout the whole movie. He appears, and um, basically just says, like, what are you doing? And Gorang's like, I'm the messenger for the message. Trimagasi's like, the message doesn't need a messenger. Basically telling him to stay behind. I think basically a lot. I'm like the basically kid or some shit. Um, and Goring stays behind with Jermagasi. And the movie ends. Yes, the movie ends with the platform shooting up fast too. Like I'm surprised like it doesn't kill her with G-Force or something. Um, super quick. I don't actually didn't know who the little girl's actor's name was, so I couldn't find it. But uh, that's how the movie ends. I was kind of disappointed by the ending. Uh... At first, <clears throat> I was disappointed by the ending. 
Um, sorry, that's my cat in the background, guys. Um, at first, I was really disappointed by the ending. Because I was like, what happens? Like, no, this this can't be it. Like, something else has to happen here. And then the more I thought about the ending, I liked the ending. Because it leaves it on that, that, that cliffhanger, like, what is going to happen? And it kind of makes you, like, maybe make an ending on your own. Like, does it fix things? Like, are these people from the platform saved? Can they get released and put into jail? Or the ones that went involuntarily finally be released because they see how crazy it is there? Or do they just ignore it? Do they send the little girl back down? They're like, okay, fuck you, bitch. See you later. Like, you don't know. That's the, that's, the, that's the thing about that. That's the mystery surrounding the ending of the platform. And I love that. It's such a good ending. I love the way they did that. This movie's really good. Um, out of a 10, I honestly am going to give it an 8.5 out of 10. Uh, I really, really enjoy this movie. Like, for favorite movie-wise, Sinister, I give a 9.8 out of 10. I know. Might be really high-rated, but I really enjoy it. Um, I don't even rate it 10, because I don't think any movie's perfect. So, anyways. <clears throat> I give that one an 8.5 out of 10. So good. I highly recommend it. Um, people don't like reading subtitles. Sorry, you guys aren't going to like this movie because this movie's in Spanish and uh, English subtitles. But yeah, English subtitles, guys. Sorry. <laughs> um, just how it is. Anyways, guys, one second. Yeah, there we go. Alright. Might have to take a break for one second. People like to call me during the podcast. Alright guys, and that's all for the horror-based stuff in this podcast. I really hope you guys enjoyed the review of this movie. I'm going to be continuing reviews like this. Um, and yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed my horror stories. And uh, yeah, we're going to move on to wrestling now. <clears throat> so like I said earlier in this podcast, if you guys don't know, I'm a professional wrestler based in the Ontario indie scene. I go by Careless Christopher Clarence. I almost went by a name called the Canadian Sensation Buddy Hoser. Thank God I never went by that because, oh my God, no. <laughs> uh, quite happy I never went by that name. <laughs> oh. um, but yeah, simple as that. Um, you know, like I said, I trained with HPW uh, and I really fell in love with wrestling. Uh, of course, I always loved wrestling. Uh, since the very first match I watched, which was Finley versus Chris Benoit on a random episode of SmackDown. Um, and yeah, <clears throat> it was, it was a good time. It was a good time watching wrestling at that point, but I never knew about independent wrestling. And, uh, yeah, if you guys want to continue listening, tune in. To part two of this. Because I just got notified that you can only do 60 minutes. So we're going to do part two of this podcast, episode one. Where we're going to be reviewing wrestling. So that one's just going to be called wrestling. It's probably going to go about an hour as well. I thought you had no time limit. So whatever. It's alright though. It's fine. We'll do part two. I don't care. It's alright. So we'll continue. Uh, on to, with the start of, uh, my first independent show I went to, which made me fall in love with wrestling and want to become a wrestler. So tune in guys. It's going to be a good time. 
And we are back with part two to this podcast. We are almost, uh, we're getting to the nitty gritty ending. Jokes are actually not. We've got a whole new topic. We're going to be talking about wrestling, guys. So, yeah, I was just going to do this all in one podcast, but I didn't realize Anchor only allows you to record for an hour. So, <sighs> it's a little disappointing, but it's fine. I don't think any episodes will be longer than this one. All the other episodes I think will I, I will have uh, from an hour to under an hour. That's okay. We'll do part two. I don't care. So let's focus on to how I got into wrestling. Like I said, um, I already told you, I go by Kayla's Christopher Clarence, trained at Hamilton Pro Wrestling Academy by Rip Impact. Uh, I was watching wrestling since I was six. First match I ever watched, Finley vs. Chris Benoit, SmackDown. And I watched WWE, and then I watched some TNA. But I never knew about, like, small little shows that that companies do, like, not even small, like, they are big, too, um, but I never knew about it, I never knew there was these other companies that, like, don't have stuff on TV, I never knew about that, until I was in, at my trailer park, sorry, um, in Grand Bend, and I went to a fair just outside in another little town called Forest, Ontario, and they had their forest fair, uh, and there was wrestling there. Uh, more specifically, Classic Championship Wrestling. They were my first company I ever saw. And uh, I don't remember all the matches there specifically, but I do remember the main event of that was Cody Diener versus Benjamin Boone uh, in a, a fair street fight. <clears throat> um, and it was, it was really fun. I just loved it. And uh, I remember the next year I went again to the same fair. Um, and the main event again was Cody Diener, of course. Uh, Cody Diener's great. I love Cody Diener so much. He's, he's an amazing talent. Um, so glad he's, you know, got another shot with Impact TNA. Um, and he faced Notorious TID once again in another fair street fight. And it was so different from the one with Benjamin Boone. It was great. Uh, amazing time. And I was like... I need to find shows like this in Hamilton. Without a doubt, I need to find shows like this in Hamilton. There's got to be. Like, Hamilton's a big city. Sort of. There's got to be shows like this in Hamilton. There, there's no way that a little little towns like Forest, Ontario have this. But Hamilton won't. I never f- found one. And then that same summer that I saw the Forest Fair. Uh, I don't remember what town. But it was somewhere, like, around that area. Uh, was PWA. I don't remember where they were held either. Some hockey rink place. Um, that's where I met Von Vertigo for the first time. That's where I met Hardcore Hick. Jeff Black for the first time. Um, There's lots of people that I met. It was a great time. I was such a big fan of independent wrestling. I was like, I need to I need to find shows like this in Hamilton for, for, for real. Um, the main event of that match was... Or that show was Easy e Eric Kearney. Versus Hardcore Hick in the main event. Yeah, it was great. Uh, another guy I remember from that show was Sexy Sid Summers. Uh, I always wonder what happened to him. Uh, you know, I don't really see him at wrestling shows. Maybe just not in my area uh, in Hamilton. But, um, you know, Sexy Sid Summers, if you're out there somewhere. Or if someone knows where he is, let me know. Because I would really like to know what happened to him. Because I have a picture with him and everything. And uh, I don't know what happened to him. I liked him a lot. He was a really nice guy. Um, and then eventually I did find a promotion in Hamilton that was running 
but I never went to them. Uh, it was a poster I saw outside my convenience store for Steel City Pro Wrestling. I saw it. I was like, oh, I want to go to this. I want to go to this. And then I think something was going up that day, last minute, so I couldn't go. was bummed. And then I saw another poster for a company. You guys may know who they are. Um, it's a little company by the name of Alpha One Wrestling. Yeah, I saw a poster for their show called The Punished. So this was actually in April 12th, 2015. That was 15 at the time. And I actually have a DVD right here. Um, of the event, because I got it a while back, because I was like, oh, I gotta commemorate my first uh, Hamilton indie show. So I got it, and uh, yeah, it's a great show. Uh, went, and I, f God, this is, this is probably when I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to be a wrestler. I want to be a fucking wrestler. Like, this is, no one is going to stop me from doing this. Nobody. This is, this is, this is what I'm setting my focus on. Uh, card of the show was actually, um, <clears throat> I'll, I'll go down the card because I have the, uh, the match card on the back here. We had matches like the AIW Intense Division title uh, match, triple threat between the champion, Davey Vega, love Davey Vega, so good, uh, Bucks Balmer, or Belmer, he's a good wrestler, I've seen him, and Lewis Linden. He's another guy. I'm like, what? What happened to Lewis? I, I haven't heard of him since. I think I saw him in Courage Pro Wrestling, and I haven't really seen him since. We also have another match: Sudden Death Six Way between Easy E, Eric Kearney, Kobe Durst, Reese Greenway, Jim Nye, the Science Guy, something Rogan or something Logan Rogan. I forget. I forget his name. He's part of the Ginger Gang though, and Space Monkey. Uh, we have uh, Silesia Spark challenging the oppression. We have a grudge match between Ethan Page and Tyler Thomas. That match was like, this is what I want to become a wrestler. Watching Ethan Page versus Tyler Thomas. This is like, this is what I want to do. This was a, a very important match to me. Because, yeah, like I just said, that, that that's exactly why. Um, I really fell in love with independent wrestling because of that match. Which is always why I hold Ethan Page at such a high level because he's really what wanted me, made me want to get into wrestling. Like I always was like, oh, it'd be cool if I was a wrestler, but then watching Ethan Page do it was like, I can do this. Like I really want to do this. So shout out to Ethan Page. Uh, they had a tag team title fatal four way elimination match between the tag champs, the Gym Rats, uh, Tabernacle Team. If I butchered that, I am very sorry. <laughs> the Goat Brigade. I miss Warmack. So good, man. Uh, Saber as well. Amazing. I just miss Warmack because he doesn't wrestle anymore. Uh, and the Beaver Boys, which are now in AEW. John Silver and Alex Reynolds. Then we had a semi-main event. The Alpha Male title. Two out of three falls. Brent Banks versus Brian Myers, a.k.a. Kurt Hawkins. And then we have the main event. Zero Gravity title. Ricky Shane Page, your champion, taking on Speedball Mike Bailey. Two amazing wrestlers going one-on-one. -on -one. This was a great show. I remember, I think I went with my dad. And uh, I really wanted to become a wrestler at that point. That's like, I was like, I gotta make this happen. There's no way that this cannot happen. I, I want to do this. Like, this is something I, I, I'm setting my passion to. And it still is a big passion of mine. I just want to wrestle. I just want to be in front of a crowd and, you know, I just want to show what I can do. 
Um, honestly, truthfully. <clears throat> um, but yeah, um, that was my first wrestling show, uh, and kind of first Hamilton show as well, and what made me want to get into wrestling. Um, so next thing I'm going to be talking about is uh, kind of what my character is about in wrestling, because um, you know everybody has a character in wrestling. Well, most people. Um, My wrestling character when I first came in wasn't really a character. I came in as a babyface when I debuted. I think I debuted, oh man, February 10th, 2018, so three years ago. I didn't have a character. I had shitty Canadian tights because I was going to do this gimmick called the Canadian Sensation Buddy Hoser. It was going to be a comedy character. I was going to come up with like those earmuffs, uh, Timbits, which thank God I didn't do that because BMD does that. So, bro, Michael David, shout out. Uh Stole my idea, you bastard jokes. Uh, lots of love for BMD. He's great. Um, and yeah, I was just going to come out. I think I was going to come out to the Red Green Show theme song, which, great. I still wish I could come out to the Letter Kenny. Or not Letter Kenny. Fucking BMD comes with the Letter Kenny. <laughs> BMD is in my head now. That's all I can think about. Uh, the Red Green Show theme song. That'd be great. I would love to see BMD come out to the Red Green Show theme. That'd be great. Um... <laughs> Do that, BMD. Please listen to this podcast and please do that. Because <laughs> if you come out to the Red Green Show theme, I will pop. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I'm I'm glad I never did that character. Um, and uh, in my head, when I was told I'm going to debut for three count for Hamilton Pro Wrestling's show, third show, uh, I was like, oh man, I'm going to be a babyface. I know that. And I was like, I just, I really don't want to do this gimmick. <laughs> I was all set, and then I was like, "Nope, not doing it. Never mind. Fuck that." And uh, so I was like, "Okay, I need a new, I need a new character now. Like, I, I'm this show's in like like three weeks. I need a character." So I was like, "Okay, let me think of a name." So I started writing. I had a notebook, and I jotted down like a thousand different names, man. I swear. And uh, I was like, "This one, no. This one, no. This one wouldn't work. This one wouldn't work for a good guy. This one sounds too cocky. This one sounds like a dick." And I was just like, "I give up." Like I wrote down literally a book full of names, and I didn't like any of them. And then I had one called, like, I just had one Christopher, and I was like, okay, I like the name Christopher. What goes with Christopher? And I was just talking for a bit. Christopher. And I, and I don't know why, I just kept going back to, like, a C for a last name as well, like, CC. And uh, I was like, Christopher. Like, I don't even remember. But I, it just, anyways, I just eventually landed on Christopher Clarence, and I was like, that's it. That's it right there, Christopher Clarence. And then I had trouble too because I was like, okay, but I want a nickname because Christopher Clarence, like without a nickname, just kind of like it sounds fine, but it just doesn't sound that appealing. So um, there was a theme song that I that I wanted, and it, it was um, it it was like a punk theme song I was really gonna originally gonna use, and it just goes like I'm careless, careless. And it's like a fast song because I want to like rush out to the ring. And I was like, fuck it. Careless Christopher Clarence. There we go. That's my name. And it stuck. <clears throat> no matter what raunchy nuts try to call me, I'll always be clueless Christopher Robin, apparently. Goddamn. Also, thanks to Chris um, of PWO for th the name of this podcast. Um, he didn't actually come up with the name for me to use, but... If it wasn't for him, I would not have a name for this because 
a careless whisper, is a inside joke that he likes to use all the time since the day I met him. Shout out to you, Chris. <clears throat> Anyways, my character from the baby face, uh, I didn't like being a face. I've said that in other podcasts I've been in. I never enjoyed being a face. I never liked it. I never wanted to be it. But I, of course, I took it. I was like, whatever. It's, it's a good way to get in. I always wanted to be heel. And then I finally got the chance um, with Davin from Championship Wrestling from Ontario to be a heel. Um, <clears throat> when I started teaming up with my best friend and not blood brother, but brother, um, Brett, also known as Marcus Gold II. Um, he gave us an opportunity uh, to become our tag team that is well known around, kind of, as uh, the Careless Dynasty. <coughs> Um, so we started doing that. I kind of just took on Brett's gimmick of Marcus Gold, kind of like rich guy, came out with Hawaiian shirts, chains, glasses, money, all that good crap. Uh, but I was also thinking, I was like, this isn't really the character I want to play like as a heel for myself. Like I, I was like, I'll play with Brett because it, 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 it's good. It's like we have the same character and everything. It works. Jaws well together as a tag team. Uh, especially since Championship of Ontar Wrestling from Ontario was the first place to really give us our chance and stuff. So... Davin will always have my respect for that. Always. No matter uh, whatever has happened between me and Davin, you know, I still have respect for Davin, and I still appreciate Davin uh, for everything he's done and all the opportunities he's given me and Brett. So, thank you, Davin. Um, I'll always appreciate you, man. No matter, no matter what. No matter the problems we have. If we do have any problems. I hope we don't have any actual problems, but, uh, you know, if we ever had problems, I'd, I'd still always respect you, so... nothing anyways let me move on so yeah they took the first chance and then i was like this isn't the character i want to do as like a singles thing though i don't want to just have gold's gimmick and i was like what if i just started being like really aggressive like really aggressive so i did that with a match i had um with johnny johnny deluca um where i came out really aggressive this was the match where we we're supposed to go on one-on-one but we got jumped by Evan Greenaway, and uh, a shout out to Evan Greenway, by the way. Uh, it might be well known that I'm a huge supporter of Evan Greenway, and uh, I think this guy's got one of the biggest futures. Support him so much, you know, during this uh, this quarantine. Go to ProWrestlingTees.com and look up Evan Greenway. He has two amazing shirts on there. He has his um, arm drag shirt, Eat, Sleep, Arm Drag, Repeat, and he has his Bloody Face shirt, which is a an homage to his very infamous bloody match at HPW. I have the bloody face shirt. It's an, a beautiful looking shirt. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, we got jumped by him and um, Scumbag Gates, another amazing wrestler. I mean, this guy's crazy. He does some crazy shit. This guy, like the bumps he takes, I'm like, like how? Like, like even, I'm stupid, but I wouldn't do. <laughs> do crazy shit like him he's insane man he he has my respect just for the shit he does he's crazy uh amazing guy definitely you know he's also known as ontario one of ontario sound guys i mean he's great he busts his ass does everything he can so respect to him as well uh but when i came out i was more aggressive um with my care back to my character here and I was more aggressive, and I did that, and then I got, I got jumped, and I was like, okay, I have to be, I don't know. I was like, I like the aggressive shit, but I don't know. I feel like I should just keep getting more and more aggressive, like, almost like, 
crazy angry. So then I had a one-on-one -on -one match with Johnny. Well, I sorry, I turned on Johnny on a tag match we had after the thing because we were going to be a quote-unquote tag team, which only lasted one more show after the match we beat Evan and Scumbag in. <clears throat> and um, so, yeah, we only had one more match against Raunchy Nuts. I turned heel, and then I started, like, losing my shit on... I started losing my shit on um, on Johnny. Like, I really just started losing it on him. And I kind of, like, flipped a lid. Like, I just lost my shit. And that's when I went backstage after that. And, uh, and I was like, huh, I like that. And then I watched the footage, and I was like, damn, I really like this. Like, maybe my character should have, like, a crazy element to him. So that's what I did uh, for my one-on-one -on -one match versus Johnny that we actually got to have. I went a little bit more, like, psychotic. Um, it was more serious at this time. Uh, I went a little bit more, like, psychotic and just angry and crazy-ish, kind of. Not to the point that um, I was before, like, I was before quarantine. Uh, that's a whole different character we're going to get into here. Uh, and, yeah, so I beat Johnny, and then I joined the Swarm. And from there, I started doing my crazy, crazy gimmick that people more know me for, uh, where I talk to myself, see imaginary people that aren't there, um, just shit like that. Uh, at this point, I, like with the swarm, I was more serious. After the swarm disbanded, I, w I went a bit more of a comedy-ish role with it in HPW, uh, to the point where I was like making people laugh and stuff, um, which is fine. I, I didn't mind it. I didn't mind being that heel, but also having a comedy aspect because I'm so crazy and stuff. I didn't mind mind that um, for a bit. So I did that. <clears throat> and then um, me and Brett finally got to team up in HPW. Uh, you know, we were, we were asking Rip Impact for a long time. Like, you know, could me and Brett team up? Could me and Brett team up? And it was, uh, it was like a, eventually maybe for a while. And then it was eventually Rip was like before the, the next show, the one show where we start teaming up, he's like, okay, you guys are going to team up. Brett's going to be in a gauntlet kind of match, and you're going to help him win. I was like, sick. Like, awesome. Like, fuck yes. Like, finally, we got our... We get, we're get getting our chance to team up. To show HPW and the wrestling industry what we could do as a tag team. What we can really do as a tag team. And this is the aspect where we had my crazy character and his rich character. I wasn't playing his character. I was my, my own character that I, I got. I wasn't doing his thing. And, uh, yeah, that's what happened. AC Coca and him were in their gauntlet. I came in, ran in with a mask, attacked AC with, with my Chaos Catastrophe, also known as my Flatliner. Um, and Gold got the pin, won, and we started teaming there. And that's really when I started going to my crazy character more. I started getting more, uh, more a bit more serious with it, less comedy-ish. Um, well, no. With our recent tag match, we did a tag gauntlet, and uh, I was still doing the comedy thing. Um, and then we did a tag match in February. It was so good. Uh, one of my favorite matches, shout out to my two opponents in that match, Robbie Cosmos and Jax Williams. You guys are great. You guys are amazing. You guys may have only had one match each, but you guys are amazing. You guys have a huge future ahead of you, both of you guys. You guys are both great talent. And uh, I could work a match with any of these guys any days. No matter if it's a tag match or singles match, I could work with these guys any day of my life. If I if I could only work with two guys for the rest of my life, I'd be like, fine, I'll work with Cosmos and Williams. Amazing, super talented. Um, 
I could see in the next couple of years them becoming big names if they stick with wrestling. I really hope they stick with wrestling because some guys really show a lot of promise in wrestling and then they stop. It's unfortunate, especially those that show really big promise. Um, so I hope both you guys stick with it. And uh, I honestly think you guys are going to be big names in a couple years because you guys are both really talented, really respectful. And you guys show drive for this. So I hope that sticks. And I hope you guys stick with the business. Honestly. Super happy with you guys. But yeah. And uh, yeah. So my crazy character. Um, it's going to be taking kind of a, a turn. It's going to be more serious now. If you guys have been following my Facebook. Uh, more serial killer vibes. Which is what I'm going for. Um, it's going to be more creepy-ish. More... More serious, more more intimidating. This is exactly what I'm going for. I'm getting rid of the comedy rule. I enjoyed playing the comedy, the comedy shtick with it. But, uh, you know, you can only go so far with the comedy stuff. So, I'm kind of doing a U-turn, getting more serious with it, getting more frightening with it, and uh, just get ready for when wrestling shows are allowed back. You'll see what uh, this character is all about. I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. Anyways, um, that's all for my character. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and I will be right back. It won't be a break for you guys, but I'm going to take a quick, like, five-minute break, and I'll be right back. So stay tuned, even though it's only going to be a second for you guys, but whatever. <laughs> and I'm back, and people are deciding to mow their lawn, so sorry about the background noise, guys, but I'm back, and I just wanted to do this, so let's get, let's get this underway. We're going to start with uh, Wrestler Spotlight. Uh, I want to do this each and every episode, kind of just saying a wrestler that uh, is in my mind right now as being a top star and one to keep your eyes on. And I've been behind this guy for a long time. It's catch point, Timothy Thatcher. Timothy Thatcher is amazing. I've been super supportive of, of him um, ever since his uh, days with MLW, which isn't too long before WWE. That's when I first... Uh, found out who he was kind of late i know he was like part of progress or evolve um i've went back and watched those matches super good then super good now uh yeah major league wrestling is where he is i'm gonna actually talk about major league wrestling in a bit um super good though i loved him his match with low-key was fucking phenomenal uh so good man like oh my god it was amazing um but then he recently got signed by wwe i fucking was going crazy when he got signed by WWE. I, I couldn't believe it. I knew he was eventually going to get signed by a big promotion because, I mean, a talent like him, it's only a matter of time. Well, even though Progress is a big promotion, but you know what I mean. <clears throat> um, I meant, like, the WWE and the AEW thing. Um, but, yeah, he got signed by NXT. He had, a, he had a weird start with Matt Riddle, but I liked it. It was weird but good at the same time. But then, all of a sudden, they turned him heel, and oh my god, guys, Timothy Thatcher is killing it. I think he's going to be, like, one of the biggest stars in NXT, honestly, just by the way he beat Riddle in their cage match. It was insane. So good. That's why Timothy Thatcher is my wrestler spotlight of tonight, because seriously, this guy's going to kill it. WWE's obviously invested in him. At least Triple H is invested in him with NXT. They're invested in Timothy Thatcher. Timothy Thatcher is going to be a huge factor in nxt for the next little while keep your eyes on thatcher man and extremely talented i'm so glad that finally people are realizing how talented this guy is if they haven't already 
So good. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, next thing we're going to go through is a thing I found, actually. I found this while uh, cleaning up my room. Um, this was an old HPW event. <clears throat> it's from 15th of December, 2018. It's an event I wrestled on. Hamilton Pro Wrestling Wreck the Halls. This is the first one, not the second one. We had one recently, or last, 2019. Uh, we had Wreck the Halls 2. It was great. Wreck the Halls 1 was great. Uh, I just kind of want to talk about what this what, what, what happened here, you know? Um, so here's the card <clears throat> that, uh, that happened. This was a very meaningful show to me. Uh, this show actually meant a lot to me for many reasons. Also, the design artwork for the show has hand-drawn people. <clears throat> uh, so Mowgli is hand-drawn. Johnny DeLuca is hand-drawn. Corey Stone is hand-drawn. Tiger Dark is hand-drawn. And the Ronchi Nuss are hand-drawn. I was also hand-drawn. But some somebody kept me off the poster. I don't understand. I was the only one that was hand drawn and kept it off the po and kept off the poster. I get it, guys. You guys hate me or whatever, but like, come on. It was such a nice drawing. But <laughs> anyways, uh, let's talk about the card because I have the uh, the match card here. And uh, yeah, so we open up the show with Tyler Arrow and Evan Greenway for Storm Force. Um. Great Stormforce, I missed Stormforce a lot. They don't, uh, they don't wrestle anymore. Uh, well, at least they're not wrestling right now. It was Zorak and Fire Firewall, S two amazing wrestlers from Barry. These guys are really good. Uh, unfortunately, they haven't wrestled in a long time. I don't think. I mean, I haven't seen them in a long time. I think this was one of their last matches, actually. Um, <clears throat> and um, it's unfortunate. I mean, really good guys. Come back if you guys are listening to this podcast. Come back. We want you back. I want you back. So come back. What the hell are you guys waiting for? Come on. Seriously. No. Anyways. Good match. Tyler Arrow. Super, super good. I remember when I first saw Tyler Arrow. I believe I talked about this in um, one of my podcasts. Maybe with Caleb. Um, on the sounds of the short bus. Shout out to Caleb. Um, I remember he came in as Tyler Restivo or something like that in the Battle Royal. And I always saw promise in him. Um... But I never thought he was going to blow up the way he did so quickly. He blew up quickly. Nothing but respect for Arrow. Um, and of course, teaming up with Evan. Well, I've already talked about Evan. This was an amazing tag match, guys. So good. So fucking good. And uh, yeah, it was great. Next up, we had a fatal four-way between uh, <clears throat> Adam Grimm, Chef Alistair Amarant, who no longer wrestles. Uh, at least, not that I know of anymore. Uh, unless he's wrestling somewhere in Hell's Kitchen. But... Uh, I know, uh, he kind of disappeared off the earth. Uh, Ace Cannon and my brother, Marcus Gold. Um, it was it was a good match, it was fine. Um, Ace Cannon and Marcus Gold started their feud from there. And when I bring Marcus, I am going to bring Brett on eventually. We're going to talk about his and Ace Cannon's feud. Uh, so I'm not going to talk too much about that. Then next, we got ladies wrestling. It, well, it was supposed to be ladies wrestling. Uh, Sabrina Kyle was supposed to face Laurel Cassidy. Former known as Cassie Cool. But then uh, Scumbag Yates came out. Talking down Laurel Cassidy. So Doc Richards came out. And he's like, shut the fuck up, Scumbag. So they started wrestling. And uh, they had a tag match. Sabrina Kyle and Scumbag Yates versus Laurel Cassidy and Doc Richards. It was a good match. Next we had a match that I forgot happened until I really thought about it. I was like, oh yeah, this match happened. Uh, Cutthroat Chris Logan 
Love him. Great guy. Love Cutsy. He's a good guy. Versus Mowgli. Another guy I really like. Mowgli's awesome. I love him. Uh, they had a really good singles match, actually. I remember this. I forgot this match happened, and then as soon as I remembered, I was like, oh yeah, they had a good match. <laughs> How the fuck did I forget about this? It's probably because it was like two years ago. So, it's probably why. Um, but yeah, and then we had uh, the HPW tag team titles on the line. Raunchy Nuts, the tag team champions, the first ever tag team champions, taking on two-fourths of the Swarm, Tiger Dark, and Wade Allen. It was a good tag match. I remember that. And then semi-main event time, your 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 boy, Kayla's Christopher Clarence versus Johnny D. This match was really important to me uh, for many reasons. This was kind of like, uh, the, the not the start, but like, we're building up for this one-on-one match for so long. We had HPW Rumble, which we both co-won. I was from number one all the way to the end. There was like 20 people or some shit. Um, I don't think there's 20. There's more like 12, 13. But anyways, it was still a long match. <clears throat> Me and him, both of our feet touched the floor at the same time. We both won, went to face each other. And uh, in another match, of course, Scumbag and Evan came out. And then we teamed up, and then I turned on him, and then we had this match. So this match was meaningful, so meaningful to me. Um, me and Johnny do, but we both agreed that our second match that we had was way better. But uh, we were still new at this time. I mean, Johnny was still very new at this time. And, um, you know, I've only been wrestling. This would be like my seventh to eighth show. So I was still very new at the time, too. Uh, I'm, You know, we had a, this was a good match. I mean, it wasn't as well paced as our second one and this one kind of just went spot for spot we just did a bunch of big ass spots uh including like a top rope uh belly to belly uh he caught me in midair with a cutter we just did a bunch of crazy shit i ended up winning this match uh due to a distraction this is also where the swarm really actually started forming um <clears throat> you know after a distraction i hit my flatliner and beat johnny this is also where i started using my flatliner as a finish i always used it before as like a falsy or Something like that. But then I actually... This is the match where I started using my flatliner as a finish. So... Uh, also meaningful to me because... I still use that as my finisher. Um, it's a good time. <clears throat> and of course the main event. HPW Championship. Corey Stone, your first... And longest reigning HPW Champion. Versus Dylan Daniels. Dylan Daniels, man. I am... I was... Bummed out when he retired. Um, he had a great last match. But, man, I was so upset when he retired. Um, I don't know. I was just really upset when he retired. Uh, I figured he could have done so much more. He, he, you know, he did good. Like, he did good. He wrestled for Alpha 1 at one point. Like, he had a successful career. I just thought he was destined for really big things. And, unfortunately, he just retired early. It happens. But yeah. That was HPW. Wreck the halls. But anyways, guys. I think that's a good way to end this podcast. Talking about a nice promotion like HPW. One that's, you know, gave me the opportunity to become a wrestler. And one that's still giving me opportunities to showcase myself as a wrestler. So, I really, really appreciate that. Once again, Rip Impact. Amazing wrestler. Amazing teacher. So, yeah, that's all, guys. Um, 
That's it for this podcast. Uh, sorry for two parts. I mean, I didn't know it was an hour. I'm going to try to keep podcasts to about 45 minutes to an hour now. So, you know, I'm learning as I go. And that's it. That's, that's all That's all the, that there is to it. So, yeah, and at least there's two parts now. So if you like horror, I mean, you can listen to the first part. If you like wrestling, you can listen to the second part. If you like both, then tune into both parts. I'm not going to judge you. <laughs> Anyways, guys, thank you guys for listening. This is Austin and A Careless Whisper. And I'm going to say to you a bunch of sweet nothings and good night.